As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We are here for another edition of 1% Better. Uh, it is the morning after, the morning after the NFL draft. And, you know, this is always a time when we think we have all the answers. <laughs> Everybody knows everything. Um, when in reality, we won't know anything really for like three years. But that's never stopped us before. So let's jump into it. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, they, they got eight new players over the weekend, over the last couple of days. They have, I think, done some good things to bolster what they have. They think they're a competitive team in 2022. Time will tell. But uh, I think, Zach, this is a this was a draft that I think, first of all, what I would say is they hit all the boxes. And we'll mm-hmm. see if they got the right guys. Right, but they hit all their boxes here. Uh, was there any pick in this draft for you that you saw as a surprise? Yeah, that's a really good question. I had to fill out our our sort of draft recap last night, and that was one of the questions: was what was the biggest surprise? And I honestly didn't have one. I, know. I went with Nick Cross out of Maryland simply because they traded up, which is something they hardly ever do. But it's not an indictment on the safety position or the pick. I think Nick Cross is going to be a fun guy to watch in camp, that deep, fast safety that can close and has range. And, and we'll get into some of the players in a minute, but we should couch this by saying we don't know anything right now. Um, we won't know anything. I always say three years. I think three years is a fair judge of, I mean, a couple of years ago, we were sitting here saying they found a cornerback in Rocky Sin and they found a pass rusher in Ben Banigou. Neither of those really worked out for the long term. So that's a little bit of a sobering thought on a day where every team thinks they crushed the draft. But I will add on to your point and say this. If they hit on these guys, if they hit on these guys, they hit on the right positions. And they hit on guys with really high ceilings. And the one thing we've talked about a lot over the weekend is they bet on athletic traits this weekend. They got bigger. They got faster. They got stronger. They went out and found some dudes. Now, if they can play, remains to be seen in the NFL. But if they hit, they got better at wide receiver. They added two tight ends, two huge tight ends, two basically like Mo Alley Cox in the mold type type of guys. 
And I think the best move of all, I think the best move of all was trading back 11 spots Friday night. You move back to 53. You still get an impact wide receiver in Alec Pierce. But to supplement that, you add a third round pick and you get it on Raymond, the Central Michigan tackle, who could be your long-term solution at left tackle. That is a huge deal. That's a huge deal. This team really struggled last year finding a replacement for Anthony Costanzo. And if they were able to hit on Pierce and Raymond, for me, that's the biggest takeaway. Those are huge spots to fill in the offense. Right. So, and I think that that trade actually, I think that's part of the predictable nature of this draft, I think, for, for the Colts. I mean, they did exactly what I thought they might do. You know, we talked so much and we hit on we hit on this on last week's episode. We have talked so much about what they said prior to the draft. Oh, we love our receivers. Oh, you know, the offensive line is going to be fine. Oh, you know, look, we have a lot of guys in the tight end room. We'll maybe add something, but we like those guys. Actions over words. Right. Right. We told you this over and over and over. And it's not I told you so. It's just a reminder. Like, this is how this works. This is what is important. And I think. This is typical of the Colts. They generally do not overcomplicate the draft, which I think is kind of nice because sometimes you can outsmart yourself in the draft. They do things that on the surface make a lot of sense. This Everything they did made sense to me. I don't find myself with any picks where I went like, huh, I didn't think they would do that. You know, like I, I just didn't yeah. ever find myself saying that in this draft. And... I don't, you know. Again, whether they got the right guys remains to be seen. But, but their 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 motivations for making these moves, I, I get it, right? I mean, wide receiver right out of the right out of the box, right? We expected that. I think the second pick for me was always going to be tricky. Was it going to be the tight end? I was thinking offensive line, but they went tight end, uh, which is interchangeable with receiver, right? So a pass catcher, another pass catcher. And then they went off right. to tackle. But I think the the trade back, as you mentioned, I want to emphasize that that is part of what they do. This is the fifth time in, I think, six years or fourth time in, in five years that they have executed some kind of trade back in the draft. Some of those happened before the draft. Some happened during the draft. But they have consistently looked for opportunities or at least listened to opportunities to move down and gather more picks. The question then becomes what the hell do you do with those picks? And, and I think they have to feel really good about getting Raymond. There's no question like that. What if they don't do that? Then he's probably not here or they have to give up the tight end pick and their second selection. Right? So I just think to be able to get that, uh, to get that done and still get what you want. Look, I'm not saying Chris Ballard is the smartest guy in the room, but I mean, you have to give him some credit. He he definitely, I think, is is prepared for these scenarios because that's the thing. I mean, these opportunities come, these opportunities to trade down come, and and the question is always, okay, if we do this, where are we in terms of our board and what can we get? And you have to have those answers like bang, bang, bang. There's no there's no opportunity to say, hey, we'll call you back in five minutes. No, you got to figure this out like on the fly. Right. And to be able to do that is tough. That's where teams screw this up. That is where they screw it up because they they maybe make a hasty decision, make the trade, and then somebody jumps in front of them and takes what they want. I thought that Chris Ballard made a good point last night. I think it was to your question. Great question. What has he learned about the draft that he didn't know when he yeah. took this job? And one of the things that he said there that I think just kind of slid under the radar is – 
I have a better idea of what other teams are going to do and what other teams want. That is critical when you're talking about moving around because you have to anticipate. So anyway, uh, I just thought that was just a really interesting observation. Um, so Thursday ahead. night, we sat there and there was no first round pick and, and they didn't make a move to get in the first whoa, whoa, whoa. round. But it was you sat there. I was smart enough yeah. not to come. But go ahead. Right, right. <laughs> I was there a lot this weekend. Let's just put it that way. Um, but I got word at some point Thursday night that this team wanted a couple more picks or at least one more pick in the top 120. And at that point, they only had two. Remember, they only had 42 and 73. And then they didn't pick until the fifth round. Um and you look at it, the numbers right now, and they picked at 53, 73, 77, and 96. That's a lot of picks in the top 100. And that's the sweet spot of the draft as far as the Colts were concerned. This was another thing Ballard said yesterday was they really fought the strength of the draft was late second, early third. Look at where all their picks were, right? They traded back out of 42. That was mid to early first. And they really loaded up late second and then third round. And, and these guys are players. I mean, third round picks are really important. The fact that they had three of them is is a big deal. I feel like that's a really big deal for this team. We know what Ballard's done in the second round. This year, tight end, offensive tackle, safety in the third round, all guys who could step in and play as rookies. I was a little hesitant. We asked Mike DeReese last night, the Northeast area scout, like, is Nick Cross going to be able to compete at safety early on? And he says it doesn't. it's not going to take him very long. This is a fast kid, played at Maryland, can close, really feels like a perfect fit for Gus Bradley's scheme. But my big takeaway, the top four picks is what they did that Friday night. They moved up, they moved back, but they really tried to get a lot of picks in that sweet spot, that late second round, early third round, where that's where you got to get starters, right? Like these guys need to come in and play and be starters. The rest of the list, Eric Johnson, Ogletree, Curtis Brooks, Rodney Thomas, those guys, you're taking gambles, you're taking risks late in the draft. They might hit, they might not. You can't miss on those early picks. They found the sweet spot, they identified it, and it goes back to what you just said about Ballard. He said, I'm more patient. I don't freak out when big things happen. Lord knows he's had a lot of crazy stuff happen since he took over. But secondly, he has a really good read for what other teams are going to do and where he can move in the draft. And still get his guy. I mean, I thought Pierce was a perfect example. Why not just take him at 42? Because you can add a third rounder and still get him at 53. Do you feel like there were any reaches in this list? Yeah, you know, I, I I don't feel that way right now. I uh, No, I, I really don't. Now, I, I think a reach is a sort of nebulous term. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it, what is a reach, right? I mean, I think it, it, it sometimes is defined in the eyes of the beholder, you know, who's making the assessment. <laughs> in this case, it's me. You know, if you if you want to talk about a reach, I, I guess maybe an argument might be, um, you know, a guy like, I don't even know. I mean, I was going to say. It's hard. It's I was going to say cross, but like, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, a Big Ten player who had production last year. They He's thought they, elite traits, this was interesting. I thought you know? Ballard asked the room late Friday night. He said, if this kid came out next year, where would he go? Cause he's young. He's 20, going to be 21 by camp. If right. he comes out next year, where does he go in the draft? And they all told him second round. They said, let's just go get him in the third right now. And by the way, second round, it's really high for a safety. Um, I don't it know is. where the first safety was taken this year. I can't remember off the top of my head. It would but, have been Hamilton, who went to the Ravens at right. twelve. I want to say, but like outside of him, player. yeah, outside of him, I don't know that there were 
were any safeties taken particularly high because they generally are not. So second round projection a year from now for a safety, that's incredibly high. And of course, that's a, that's very, very like subjective, right? Talking about the 2023 draft. But I think it's a great point. It's a great, great point. Right. So anyway, no, I don't I don't see any reaches. I, I really don't. In fact, I would argue this. I would argue that they got a few guys at, on day three who I felt like, man, how's that guy still on the board? And Curtis Brooks is number one on that list. Curtis Brooks out of Cincinnati. He's interesting. I'm telling you, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I love this pick. Curtis Brooks out of Cincinnati, 6'2", 287. Eh, you know, I think when you talk about a three-tech, that maybe doesn't light your world on fire. You'd probably like him to be a little taller and, and maybe a little heavier, but not the Colts. They think that works. I mean, they want a guy particularly in, in the scheme they're going to play this year. They want guys who can get up the field and get off the football and, and attack. And that's one thing that he can do. Seven and a half sacks last year at Cincinnati played a pretty decent schedule, had really good competition and was one of the best teams in the country. Uh, he had 12 and a half, I believe, uh, tackles for loss as well. So this is a guy who's in the backfield. And now he didn't have that kind of production prior to 2021, but we'll see. I mean, he if he can keep that going, he doesn't have to be DeForest Buckner. He just has to be a rotational guy who can create some, some pass rush in there, maybe be a nickel rusher on third down from time to time. I, I don't know. We'll see if he even makes the team. But... Uh, but I think his chances are pretty good. Like, this is a good fit. There's something to that kid. I, I mean, like he was that like, pick. I'm going to remember the teams that did not pick me. I mean, yeah. and we had Alec Pearson yesterday, who was a teammate of him at, at college, and, and he said, look, Curtis Brooks is one of the most underrated players on our team last year. And that's a team that made the Final Four, the college football playoff. And he was in the backfield, like you said, and, and probably fell a little bit because of his weight. And he said that. I mean, he's not 300 pounds. And if you're going to play on the line, especially interior in this league, a lot of teams want you at that level. The Colts aren't obsessed, as obsessed as some teams with that weight, because like you said, they like to move up the field, get out to the quarterback, and they're going to do more of that with Nate Ollie. But there's some fire to this kid, and he's going to be fun to watch in camp. He said he was going to come in angry. We felt that on the Zoom call yesterday with Curtis Brooks. So... He's going to be fun to watch. And the other guy that's going to be really fun to watch, and it's going to take some time, is Andrew Ogletree, a tight end out of Youngstown State, a former receiver who literally just came out yesterday and said, I'm a ball of clay. You watch yeah. the tape. I see Mo Ali Cox. But that could be a developmental guy. And I think, and this is something I want to get your thoughts on, we both kind of talked about this yesterday, the position groups that they addressed in the draft, I think it's becoming clear how they think about them. You know, Frank had said all offseason, I like our tight ends. I love Mo. We think Granson can do more. Well, they went big at tight end in this draft. And these guys are going to come in and they're going to compete. And, and Jalani Woods was the third round pick. What did it tell you about what they think about the offense specifically? Because it's going to look different with these guys over the next couple of years. Well, I think at tight end, it tells me, look, we can quibble about how they may assess uh, someone like you know, Kyler and Granson, for example, but they drafted two huge tight ends who yeah, look a like lot like huge. the other guy, <laughs> Moali Cox, as you said. So I, I think if nothing else, and this is something I like about this draft generally, I think if nothing else, if if you're Kyler and Granson, you know, who was a fourth round pick last year, I believe, uh, this, has, this should get your attention. This should get your attention. And, and they want should, that. 
Yes, I think that is deliberate. Not just for him. I'm not singling him out. But I think there's a few guys who probably woke up this morning like, I better get my shit together. <laughs> you know, and I think he's one of them. Uh, I think you would include Kari Willis in that group. They took what? They took a safety in the third round who they love. up. Traded up in particular. And I think that is a good example. The last guy they really traded up a long way for in that range of the draft, there's there's a couple of them, but one that comes to mind is Grover Stewart. And you see what kind of traits he had and what kind of player he has turned into. So I'm not comparing their potential outcomes there, but I'm saying similar motivation, right, between those two players and in the in the range of the draft in which they were chosen. So so that's interesting to me. Uh, I think Kari Willis is coming off his roughest year of his of his three years, yeah. frankly. So he and Jelani Woods is, is going to be fun. He's six seven for God's sakes. He's bigger. He's taller than Mo, which yeah is crazy to think about. And his story is wild. Just the real quick summary. I mean, he was he was a quarterback coming out, and I think he beat Davis Mills in a big game in high school. Davis Mills is the starter in Houston as of right now, which is crazy. Um, but Woods started at Oklahoma State and. They threw him in at tight end one week just to be the, the Mark Andrews um, guy, like the scout Scouting. version of Mark Andrews who yeah. torched the Colts in Baltimore last year. And Woods was like, yeah, man, I caught like eight balls every day for 100 yards. They just couldn't stop me. The coaches were like, you're going to play tight end now because no one can stop you. So, you know, ended up at Virginia his last year and really became more of a factor in the passing game that season. Eight touchdowns and I think in 11 games last year. Um, he'll probably take some time at this level. You know, Darius said he's a willing blocker. It doesn't always look pretty, but he's got some he's got some tools to work with. He's an enormous human. Like we've said, they drafted these traits. Um, but he's gonna be fun. He's gonna be fun. There's gonna be like Mo, Mo Ali Cox, and then like Mo Jr. and Mo the third right now in, <laughs> the, right. in the tight end room. I should I should, I should reach out to Jack Doyle and be like, dude, they went out and replaced you guys with like Mo Juniors. Um right. and then there's Granson, like you said, and then like Granson's gotta go earn it. But that's going to be a much more fun tight end group right now than it was like four days ago. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, and I think the other the other area that they really intensified competition to to complete the point is uh, offensive tackle with Raymond. There's no question about it. I mean, we've all been asking what's the plan at left tackle. They they have Matt Pryor out there. They they think he's a starting caliber player. But has he ever been a full-time starter at left tackle? No. <laughs> so I don't know if Raymond can be one. But but certainly they're going to find out, and they think he has the tools to do it. They're not necessarily pegging him as the starter there. Uh, he's got to earn it. He's got to demonstrate he can do it. But but that definitely got more competitive. So don't you I think, think that's perfect? Yeah, Because they do. don't have to start Raymond. They don't have to have the pressure on him right away. Yes. He's only played like 20 games at offensive line. He's He was a Crazy. tight end. But don't you think it's perfect that they have Pryor and they have Raymond, and Raymond doesn't have to be the starter right away? If he wins the job, he wins the job. But they're not going to throw him out there into the fire at a really, really tough position where if you fail, it's tough. And that mental toll can be, can be pretty serious. So I think that's actually perfect that they've got Pryor in place. They know he can start for however many games they need, but Raymond is really going to be the future there. I think that's perfect because you don't have to just throw him in and expect him to deliver right away because that's a really tough position to do that at. Yeah, and and to be honest, let's let's just call it what it is. I mean, you are not finding a bona fide day one starter at left tackle in 
with the resources that the Colts had in this draft. Okay, that was not going to happen. So they got, I think, the next best thing, which is what, how I phrase it in my story, which is a guy who could potentially be that in the long term. And and that even that's hard finding sometimes. So if they have that, that's a success, frankly. Now, let's just sort of drill down, I think, on, on the most important pick, I, I think, in this draft. And, and this won't come as a surprise. But look, Alec yeah. Pierce out of Cincinnati, uh, the 53rd overall pick. They had the 42nd pick, as you said. They trade down. They still get, I think, a guy who is exactly what they want. Uh, they were able to trade down and still not sacrifice on the size or the speed that they were looking for from that position, which I think is such a, a win for the Colts because sometimes you trade down and now you're getting a little bit less of uh, you know, a, a product of what you actually wanted, you know, and they didn't have to sacrifice that, which I think is such a big point to make. They got a guy here who is four four in the forty, at six three. Is he six four? I think he's six three. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about a guy who is going to pair with Michael Pittman on the other side, who is six four and two twenty in his own right. Think about what that sort of looks like in a defensive meeting room for the other team, right? If, if he gets going, right? If, they, if he kind of proves that he's ready to play right away and he, and he kind of gets his legs going and he proves that he can be a factor, think about what that means for the opponent. If you're, if you're defending this team, you got a 6'4 guy on the one side, 6'3 guy on the other side with speed, and you got a really accurate quarterback in Matt Ryan. I think that's trouble for the other team. I, that's, that's how I see that. That's what they thought about. That's why I love talking to the scouts. Chad Henry came in yesterday and said, we literally talked about that. We thought about Michael Pittman on one end, and we thought about Alec Pierce on the other. And it's a scary thought. I mean, we got we to gotta see it. Pierce has got to go earn it in camp. But he's a competitive dude, and I kind of got that feel yesterday when he came in and talked to us. Like someone talked about jump balls, and he's like, let's go. Let's go get it. And yeah. you can see the former volleyball, former basketball player in him. And and Chad Henry was like, look, we, we think it's a really interesting tandem. He's a pro wrestling guy. And he's like, look, I call him above the rim. Take it up strong. Like they've already started to think of what these guys can do. And I thought, you know, maybe Pierce goes into the inside a little bit, plays a little slot. And Frank was like, Frank Reich was like, nah, I like him on the outside. Use his height, use his vertical speed. And the one thing that jumps out about the Colts the last couple of years, they love guys who can go win jump balls. Pittman was a stud at that in college. That has translated very well to the pros. And I see that in, in Pierce's film, and that's going to be fun. Do you think this guy could climb all the way to wide receiver two by the middle of next season? I mean, you talk about positions that got a heads up this weekend, like we want to get better. You talked about safety and tight end. This one, we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of months, but Behind Michael Pittman, it's it's open season as far as the Colts are concerned. And Henry um, made it very clear that they think Pierce can come in and play and contribute right away. Where does that leave Paris Campbell and the rest of them? Well, first of all, I think they're all going to get opportunities because Frank Reich's the coach. And you know his philosophy is to, to use everybody and to rotate receivers and to not let the defense – uh, get in a situation where things are predictable for them. So I, I think everybody gets an opportunity. However, that being said, if you have some matchups, then you're an idiot if you don't sort of exploit those matchups. I, I think there are going to be opportunities. There will be games where 
where Paris is going to be a tough matchup for teams just because of his size. And think about it. It's not just his size, but it's also his speed. So it's not like, you know, he's he's kind of a slender guy. So, like, you could theoretically yeah. say, all right, we're going to go attack him and be physical and beat him up, right? And there's there's a lot of merit to that that approach. And I think that would have some, some effect on him because I don't know if he's ready for that yet because a lot of college receivers are not. Here's the thing, though. You better be successful because if he gets on top of you, now you got trouble. You know, there's not it's not like every corner out there is running four three. And and if this guy if he gets a step on a guy, you're probably not gonna catch him. And and now you're playing from behind trying to and ho- hoping for an underthrown ball or whatever it might be. So or hoping your safety is gonna save your ass. <laughs> so right. look, I, I think that they have something here and to your point, you know, or to your question, I should say, you know, could he be the guy there at wide receiver two? I think at times he could be because I think that matchup ability that he has, I think that is going to make him very, very unique. And that's something that they can't replicate with other guys. Now, they do have other guys with size, but I, I don't think they're quite as polished as as he is coming out of college. They certainly were not. I don't think you could have Correct. said that about Desmond Patman. You certainly couldn't say that about Michael Strawn. Now they have some NFL experience, whereas he does not. So maybe they have an edge. But but this guy has tools, man. And and I think that is going to be something that if you're a smart coaching staff, and I think they have one, you should be able to exploit that. So I, I do think that uh it's interesting. There were lots of choices at wide receiver. And I and I know that you and I had had both talked about Christian Watson. He went uh, certainly early in the second round, they didn't have a chance at him. I think this guy is pretty much in the Christian Watson mold, though, right? I mean, what what's what are your thoughts that way? I, I don't. I think if you were if you liked Christian Watson, I think you you have to like this guy, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And and, and the comp they gave the the comp the Colts talked about a couple of times is Jordy Nelson. Yeah, if they get Jordy Nelson, they're they're freaking thrilled. We'll 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 hit the brakes a little bit. He's got a ways to go. But, um, you know, I like Sky Moore, too, because I think Sky Moore does a little bit different than what the Colts have had the last couple years. They certainly have a type at wide receiver, and I understand the logic. Chris Ballard explained it again on Friday night, and he said, look, they get open. I mean, they make it easier on your quarterback, and I totally get that. And the other thing is Frank Reich is really good at getting his guys open. There's timing, there's schemes, there's crossers. I mean, he gets – think about all the catches Mo Alley-Cox had – and Jack Doyle had in 2020 with Philip Rivers. Like, they were open a lot. Like, in that Buffalo game, Jack Doyle was wide open for, like, half the game. Um, I think we'll see more of that this year with Matt Ryan and Frank will scheme those guys up. And, look, it's going to be fun. Pierce is going to be fun to watch. I'm excited. It would have been a huge bust of a draft, in my opinion, if they didn't get a receiver early. They needed to go aggressively and get a big-time receiver who can add some punch to that room. And it was funny, Bob Kravitz, our colleague, first question last night, we got in there, Chris Ballard sits down and, and Bob says, so Reggie Wayne's here 10 minutes as a coach and he gets whatever he wants. And, and Chris said, yeah, man, he, that's exactly how it works. So <laughs> it was a lighthearted moment, but you know, this is going to be fun to watch Alec Pierce work with Reggie Wayne. And that's a young group. Do not forget how young that receiving room is. I mean, these guys are 25 and under and Alec Pierce is, is joining the group. There's no veteran right now. Unless they add T.Y. Hilton. We'll see how that goes, but I'm not sure he comes back at this point. I'm not sure. We'll see. 
But um, it's going to be a young group. It's going to be a challenge for Reggie to get these guys on the same page, but they need to be better across the board this season. And I think Matt Ryan's a happy dude because he's got two two big tight ends and a receiver that have joined the team in the last couple of days. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned T.Y. Hilton because I, I was going to bring that up. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I lean towards saying they're moving on. That's where I'm at. And, and it's not, I, I'm it's on not the a, same page, and it's yeah. not a fun thing to say. It's not a slight to Ty, and I and I think I also understand the the need for you know some some veteran presence. Like I think that's a real thing, and I and I respect that. Uh, but if you can get past that, and and I think Reggie Wayne is a is a good presence to have in that room, just because I, I think he the credibility that he he will bring I think helps them that way. But yeah. if you can get past the idea of not having a sort of veteran presence, if you can, uh, I, I just I don't see another really overwhelming reason to go back to T.Y. Hilton. It's not that I don't think he can help them. It's just that I don't think he gives them something they don't have already. And, and Or at least I think the other guys bring qualities that are equally important. T.Y. Hilton is going to bring really precise route running. He's going to bring uh, really some yeah. clutch some clutch playmaking, I think, particularly on third down, he he shows that you know if you you put the ball where it needs to be, he's going to come down with it. He's going to fight for that ball. But look, at the end of the day, he's not the, he doesn't have the speed that he once did. So it's not as though you have that quality uh, here in Pierce. You do have top level speed. You have certainly size with the rest of those guys. I'm not banking on Paris Campbell. I I get it. I'm not. But look, I, I mean. He, if he's out there, think about this. He he did he did make it what to week six or so last year. If he's out there at all, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but, yeah. <laughs> but if he's out there at all, and Pierce shows that he's half decent, Michael Pittman's not coming off the field as it is. I, I don't know where does T. Y. Hilton play? Is he the fourth receiver? The fifth receiver? Is he active? I mean, what are you doing? Right? I mean, how much yeah, do you pay it's for a that tough conversation? And and. I think it's a good receiving room if he's your fourth or fifth receiver. Does T.Y. want to be the yeah. fourth or fifth? I mean, we don't need to spend time talking about how important he's been to this franchise over the last 10 years, ring of honor guy and all that. But you make a good point, and you just named all those playmakers. And, and the one guy, we, and we haven't talked about Naheem Hines, who's essentially a receiver. I mean, in a lot of ways. And they've talked could be about getting slot. Him the ball. Yeah, and, and we don't need to go into that. But that's going to be a new thing. They're going to definitely try and get him the ball more. And They've got like one of the top three players in all of football taking handoffs in the backfield of Jonathan Taylor. So that's part of the conversation here with T.Y. It has to be. There is one football. And look, I mean, Paris Campbell can play football. I know the argument is he doesn't stay healthy and the Colts cannot bank on him being out there. But if you don't think he can play, go back and watch the Jacksonville tape from week one of 2020. He's like Mm -hmm. the best receiver they had that day. And and I know they weren't great that day, but he can he can play. Um, and I think with Matt Ryan, I think there's there's a high ceiling for Paris Campbell this year, but he's got to go prove it. He's got to go prove it. And until that happens, there's really no point in speculating on what might happen. But that's that's a tough conversation on the T.Y. Hilton front. That's tough. We did also hear from the owner yesterday, as only Jim Irsay can. We don't need to go into the quarterback stuff, but I was a little intrigued by what he said about Matt Ryan. And look, Jim Irsay, the man lives in hope. He's an optimist. He's the biggest Colts fan there ever was. You guys know this. You follow the team. 
He drinks in optimism like no one I've ever known. But he thinks Matt Ryan could be a three-year thing. He mentioned four. The longer the interview went, the longer Matt Ryan's playing. Do you think that's possible? Do you think Matt Ryan is a quarterback <laughs> here for three years? I mean, <laughs> you got to love him. Wait a minute. First of all, you buried the lead here. Okay, so we went into Jim Mercy's office yesterday. I've been there before, but it's not as if it's a regular thing. Okay, it's been quite some time. Uh, so Jim Mercy's office is like a sensory experience, first of all. Okay, right? It's it's like, think about the most uh, like luxurious hotel you've ever been in and, and multiply it's, it like times 10 right the um, desk is like 10 feet wide <laughs> it's it's it would not fit in my living room okay um and then he now he used to have sort of his rock and roll memorabilia encased in the wall or some of it because there's lots of it some of it encased <laughs> in the wall behind his desk uh, one of those guitars is yeah. worth seven times my house. Yeah, he, he had a Jimi Hendrix guitar uh, in a glass case in in built into the wall behind his desk. That was like literally the backdrop. So his Zoom calls would be amazing. Except he's got the traveling exhibit now. So all that stuff's getting sent around the country and, and all that. His memorabilia. So instead, he just replaced it with another display. Oh, the Lombardi trophy. <laughs> and helmets of... Peyton Manning, some guy named Johnny Unitas, and I don't know, some kid who used to wear number 12 here. Apparently, he was really good, but didn't play very long. So, pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. And then the other thing, I'm, I'm way, way off the subject now, but you got to hear this. So, Jim Mercer's got this little cute, fluffy dog. This dog loves him some Zach, okay? <laughs> So is it, I told my wife, like, is there a dog that has a better life in the world? Like, I can't imagine like how good this dog's life is. The dog sat in on the interview with us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he he was so comfortable. Let's be honest. There's, there's photographic evidence of this, but I'm not going to tweet it. But he sat right on my lap. Right on my, never, never met him before. Never met this. Curled right before. up in Zach's lap. I don't know what to make of that, but really interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Okay, Matt Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> there we go. There's a tangent. <laughs> so, Matt Ryan, yeah, there's nobody that loves hope more than, than Jamercy. If Jamercy were a salesman, he would like, he, he would, he would beat all of his colleagues every year. You know what I mean? He'd be that guy his who dad wins like the was sales. A hell award. of a salesman. Yeah, he was. He was not a great owner, but he was a hell of a salesman. And Put his own father out of business. That's all he had to sell was hope because they were any good. <laughs> but, but listen, I if he were he if he were a salesman, he'd be that guy who like wins like the the trip every year from the company for top sales award. <laughs> That'd be Jim Mercy <laughs> because you want to believe, man. When you walk out of there, you want to believe. And hey, look, he had. He he started out saying, you know, well, you know, I, I I think you know we've got him under contract for two years, but you know, I really think this this probably is going to be three, and then ten minutes later it was four. <laughs> Had we stayed longer, Matt Ryan would probably be playing to forty seven years old. Yeah, but I do think there is some there's something to take away from that. Two things: number one, uh, they are really putting a lot of their hope in Matt Ryan. Maybe too much even, right? You could argue. But they're putting a lot of their hope in that. And I was going to get to that argument that are they putting too much hope in Matt Ryan? Not that I don't like him, but just have they done enough elsewhere, right? That's one argument. The other thing to take away from that is that it must be a conversation of some kind in the building that this guy has the ability to play longer. Maybe this is really going to be like a real second act for him. And this won't be a two-year thing, you know, maybe this is Peyton in Denver somewhat, right? Yeah, I mean, not at the, four years. he's not the same player, but, you know, maybe in terms of how long the stint could be, maybe it's similar. I don't know. Um, you you have to wonder if that conversation hasn't happened. If not with Matt Ryan, then with the Colts themselves. So I want to spin that to, to maybe the question I just posed. Uh, how much of their optimism do you think hinges on Matt Ryan and if so is it too much it is hard to explain how thrilled they are to have this guy like he's not going to come in and win the MVP but it's very clear to me in the words of Frank Wright Chris Ballard Jim Irsay, and other people I've talked to in the building that they have turned the page and they are in a better spot than they were 12 months Ooh, ago. Boy, we don't need to get ever. into all of that, but just listen to this quote from Jim Irsay. There's no way I can sit here and explain to you, unless you looked into Chris Ballard and Frank Reich's eyes, the difference in the building right now with Matt Ryan, his professionalism, his stature. I mean, they have, they have really bought into this guy. And, and I watched Matt Ryan on the McAfee show the other day, and he's just a real dude. Like he's just, mm-hmm. He's just going to fit in perfectly. And um, I know that sounds like Colts PR, but if you watch him, you just get it. Like you get why Atlanta loves this guy. He's just real and he's going to come in and that transition is going to be really easy because he's a pro. He's just going to come in. I think the teammates are going to love him. And I think he's going to help this offense in a lot of ways. And, you know, Matt Ryan wants to keep playing. It really seems like he's been reinvigorated here since he changed over. And I think things probably got stagnant in Atlanta and it was probably hard for him to find the hope of we're going to be competing in the playoffs and making a run at it. Like they weren't going to do that. The roster's terrible. And he comes here and he's got Jonathan Taylor and Pittman and they added some pieces in the draft and he's got Frank Reich. And I think that really matters. And, you know, let's, let's do two years and then let's see, let's see how he goes. He's 36, going to turn 37 at the start of next season. But um, 
you know, they're they're buying into this. And I think the other element of that is they didn't draft a quarterback this year. They thought about it. They talked about it. They didn't do that. I think Matt Ryan gives them a breather. It doesn't make them expedite that process that we've been talking about for three years now. They don't have to go reach for somebody. Um, I think that matters a lot here. And they're going to have to find a long-term successor at some point. But I think I think Jim Mersey is very, very thankful that Matt Ryan is his quarterback and Carson Wentz is not. I think that's been pretty clear. We've reported on that. But, damn, they got lucky because when they moved on from Carson, as Jim Mersey said yesterday – there was no answer out there at, at that that they really liked. Right, no question. Uh, the only <laughs> the only person I think in that building who loves Matt Ryan more than Jim Mercy is well, I guess it's let me rephrase that. It's it's comparable. The way he loves Matt Ryan is comparable to the way Drake loves you. Just that, that's just <laughs> question. Drake being the dog. Anyway, I would say this. I think that uh, with Matt Ryan, uh, they have. Uh, they have they have credibility that they did not have. They have not had, I think, since the retirement of Andrew Luck. And I know maybe that sounds like a slight at Phillip Rivers, but it's not. What I'm doing is acknowledging the fact that there were a lot of doubts about Phillip Rivers coming into 2020. Now, I thought that he availed himself, or I should say um, he he acquitted himself, I should say, pretty nicely that year. But look, were there limitations? Sure, there were. There were limitations. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think this is a different level of confidence in the quarterback. Is it misplaced? Is there too much confidence? Have they done enough elsewhere? That is a fair question. I would say I think that the difference in quarterback play could be such that uh, that it doesn't matter as much what they've done elsewhere. I think they could get such a lift from the quarterback play. It could be so much different to, that, to, to the point. extent that the other – the other areas matter a little less. That doesn't mean they don't matter. I'm saying they matter less. Yeah, you get so much uh, so better in efficiency that that makes the gap up, right? Yeah, I mean, look, are, are we gonna? I'm not gonna make this a Carson Wentz podcast, but look, the the fact of the matter is, I mean, just look at the games. Look at what happened at the end of last season. They were afraid to throw the football. Okay, I mean, like, there's really nothing else to say. There's literally nothing else to say. They are going to be able to throw the football in very crucial situations this year and have a quarterback who they trust can throw it accurately. I mean, what more do you have to say? <laughs> you know, they they didn't have that last year. They have that now. Like, that should change everything. You know, can they go compete with Kansas City? Can they go to Vegas and, and Denver and win places like that? I, I mean, maybe. I actually think they have. I like their chances. I mean, I'm not saying I'm picking them. But look, I, I think if things go well, they have a defense that can compete. They have a quarterback who can make plays. I think they got a shot to win every game. They got a shot in every game the this one year. Thing, the one thing we haven't touched on is the AFC South, and that changed this weekend. It did. Fair. The Titans shipped away their best player, one of their best players in A.J. Brown. And as you noted, probably the player that's given the Colts the most trouble over the last couple of years in the AFC South, and that includes Derrick Henry, who's had some good games against the Colts, but they're not really afraid dominated. of Derrick Henry. They are not afraid of AJ Brown. Henry. Tore them up. I mean, he tore up Rocky Sin, and him going to Philly matters a lot, a lot in this division. I think with the addition of Matt Ryan, the subtraction of AJ Brown in Tennessee, are the Colts the favorites in the AFC South? 
I think it's an argument. There is an argument to be made. I mean, look, the Titans are the defending two-time defending champions in the division. That matters a lot, and and I get to give them their due. Uh, but I I am very skeptical about the Titans. I'm very skeptical between what I saw in the playoffs and then this recent move from a couple of nights ago. That has me feeling very skeptical about the Titans, and frankly, I'm skeptical about their quarterback. And I, I think everybody's mm. been skeptical about him. Uh, yeah. I would say you were there in Tennessee that day. Yeah, yeah. Bad look, interception. Look, do the do the Colts arguably have the best quarterback situation in the division? Uh, man, I don't know. What a crazy thought. That's not like no a ridiculous I, I, question. Probably Trevor Lawrence. Prop. I mean, well, situation is the wrong word, right? I think that's the wrong word. It's I hard think to say the, Jacksonville has the best situation for anything. Like literally, well, it's just hard to. Well, the, he's twenty four, right? So that helps. But so in the long yeah. term, that's a better situation, maybe. But but I think when you talk about right now, I mean, which quarterback would you rather have right right now if you had to go win a game, a single game? Do you pick yeah. Matt Ryan over everybody else? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Look, look, Titans are tough, man. Vrabel's really good. They're he, they're, they're, they're not really going well away. coached. He gets he gets yeah. the most out of them. They're a pain to play against up front, especially. But Brown matters. That's going to be fun to watch. And the Colts, yeah, you got to go do it. Like you got to stop talking about winning the division and going to late January playoff runs. Excuse me. You you got to go do it. And that's and why I hesitated. I feel like they had the pieces that, to do it. Yeah, that, that's why I hesitated. Right? Like you They've know, we found a way to just come up just short. Right. When, when you ask me, are they the favorite? That's why I hesitate. Because it's like, hey, man, it's been a long time. Okay. It's been a long time. Yeah. And show me, don't tell me. And I, right. I get that I'm all you can that. do it. All you can do in, in May is talk. I understand that. But it's May 1st today. But but at the same time, that's where they are. Okay. I like their team, but show me, don't tell me. So we'll see. It's up to them. Uh, man. <laughs> This is, I, I went through this in my head the other day, and I, I probably need to actually do it on paper. But um, this team is going to look very different in 2022. Uh, there are some key, key, key changes. And it just continued with this draft. I, I got to tell you, I mean, it's that's what keeps this fun because the NFL is ever yeah. changing, ever changing. You know, look at this team from two or three years ago to now. <laughs> you know, even though they have some, some core players. Their best, best players, right? They they have remained the same, but there has been just rampant change up and down this roster, and that's going to continue. You know, and I think we're going to learn more about them here in the in the coming weeks and months. But um, it's been interesting, and this has been one hell of a past four months, hasn't it? <laughs> Unbelievable! All the stuff. It's that's crazy. Happened. I mean, to put a cap on it, you know, we sat on the same seats that Chris Ballard and Jim, and Frank Reich sat in four months ago on a Sunday night in January. After that game in Jacksonville, while you and I were drinking to the <laughs> disaster that we had just witnessed yep. and the fact that we were not covering uh, uh, any playoff games for the Colts, you know, they were getting an ass chewing, as Chris Ballard would later say it. I think it's remarkable, and I'm saying this objectively, where they were at that point and where they are now. It's remarkable. If you just look at it objectively, like they were going to move on from Carson and they were going to cut him if they had to. Not only did they do that, they picked up an extra pick. They saved some money. They got Washington to take all the salary. We don't need to go into this at length, but they added Ngakwe. They added Matt Ryan. They added Stephon Gilmore. They added a receiver in the draft who can play right away. This has been a good four months for the Colts. Chris Ballard, as Jim Irsay said yesterday, he's part of the C. 
Now, Jim Mercer's selling. He's selling hope. He's so, but, um, selling so hard. It has been an, it is, I, I am very surprised at how well they have managed the last four months. That is not lost on me. The one move we haven't probably talked enough about is Ngakwe, who's just going to come in and, and sack people. He's just going to come in and sack the quarterback. That's one thing they missed last year, and they still turned the ball over 33 times. So you're right. It's going to be a different team this year. They got better at, at the really important positions, but you've got to go earn it. And they haven't won the division in seven or eight years, and they haven't won an opener since, like, the beginning of time. So uh, it's going to be fun. But Jim Mercer is buying into the Colts in 2022. Yep, yep. Uh, all I can say is uh, the only thing I can add to that is long live Ron Rivera. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> right. Man. Anyway, it's been fun and exhausting and just, <laughs> just mind-blowing. It's been a lot of things the last few months. But, you know, I think this is why we do the job because uh, it, it just the NFL just is the, the gift that keeps on giving, and you know we're along for the ride. You know whether we like it or not, we're just we're hanging on for dear life like the rest of you, just trying to react to the development. So it, it's been fun. It's been long, some long hours and lots uh, to to deal with, but uh, I, I can't complain. It's been fun. Uh, we'll have look. Um, I, I don't think I hope things are going to slow down, but we're going to have more to cover here in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Hopefully, we haven't gotten to this point yet, but hopefully we get our our little uh, behind-the-scenes um, session yeah. in the draft room because I think that usually gives Super us a whole lot of podcast material. So, um, we'll And we can have some guests on. We've got some ideas, so stay yeah, tuned. We do. Some, some yeah, we really do. good guests in the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah. I'll also put this on your calendar, uh, Rookie Camp in two weeks. So uh, you'll we'll actually get to see those guys on the field and, and we'll get some access to that. So that should be... Also uh, interesting to watch. So anyway, that's it for us. Uh, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. The draft is in the books. Uh, thanks for coming along for the ride. Uh, we'll still do podcasts periodically. We may pull back a little, but just stick, stick with us, and uh, you'll see it in your podcast feed when it pops up. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, this is 1%. Right?